That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens. A production of WQPT. PBS for the Quad Cities region. A podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is the Cities Podcast. An Illinois politician facing federal charges, accused of using his powers in office to benefit himself and his associates. You're not surprised by that news, are you? Well, let's be honest, that really is a problem in Illinois. As former House Speaker Michael Madigan now faces 23 federal counts of racketeering, wire fraud, bribery, and attempted extortion. The man who was once labeled as the most powerful in Illinois faces what would surely be a life sentence for a 79-year-old Southside Chicago politician. And keep this in mind, it's all unfolding as Illinois voters go to the polls and put to test the Democrats' powerful hold on the state legislature and the somewhat less powerful hold on the governor's mansion. That's why we wanted to talk with Western Illinois University Political Science Department Chairman Dr. Keith Bockelman, who also teaches Illinois politics on the Western campus. It's kind of sad, isn't it, that people aren't necessarily all that surprised by this indictment? Well, it is. I mean, we all know that Illinois has this long history of corruption. We've seen numerous governors go to jail. We, I mean, I back remember when I was a kid, there was a scandal with former Secretary of State Paul Powell when they found shoeboxes stuffed with the money in his Springfield hotel room. And so we've had one thing after another for all these years. And so I think uh, corruption is sort of steeped into the fabric of Illinois politics. And uh, people, I, I don't think, are happy about it, but they're kind of resigned that this is sort of the way things are. And that's what's really sad, because the U.S. attorney that, that brought about this case, uh, John Lausch, said, we have a stubborn very stubborn public corruption problem here in Illinois. And, and he used it in the, in the current tense. It's not like it's past tense. It's almost like it's still continuing. Yeah, I, I do think it's continuing. I mean, I, I think the question we need to look at going forward is, will this Madigan indictment seen, be seen as the last gasp? I mean, we've had three governors in a row who have not gone to jail. So that's kind of an improvement, sort of. And, um, you know, over time, the U.S. Attorney's Office has been pretty aggressive in prosecuting corruption, whether it's been, you know, with Rod Bogoyevich or previous governors or now with Michael Madigan. Um, so Illinois has this long history of machine politics. And I think the question going forward is, will this be seen as the last gasp of it? And maybe we do turn the corner or is this something that will continue going on? Well, you, you did mention that badge of honor for Illinois that the three straight governors have not gone to a prison. But it's interesting that two of those three are business people who really didn't have a big political background. Is that that's kind right. of what, I mean, it almost is like that's where the cleansing, that's where the healing began in Illinois. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I, I think that's an interesting point. Um, you know, one thing I've been thinking about is also we had this long history of machine politics again, but 
I also wonder with these kind of wealthy business people coming in, if we're, we're almost adopting toward a new boss uh, type of politics, uh, you may remember Bruce Rauner spent $26 million, um, on his gubernatorial campaign. That seemed like a lot at the time, but then J.B. Pritzker spent $171 million, so that kind of dwarfs that, and now we've got uh, Ken Griffin out there, although he's not running directly. He said he would spend up $300 million in this upcoming election, so I just wonder if we've traded in one kind of machine politics toward another, maybe going forward. Well, and that's an interesting interesting thought and, and much more difficult to regulate because is. money is freedom of speech, according to some. Yeah, and now I, I do think, you know, the campaign contribution limits in Illinois are pretty lax compared to some other states. Not, as you say, uh, you know, a lot of this is considered free speech, so people spending their own money can't be regulated very much. But um, the Illinois system really also funnels money into the legislative leaders they have many fewer regulations than some rank and file legislators. And I think that's what has led to the power of people like Michael Madigan in the past. And, and from that perspective, it does continue uh, to maybe perpetuate a somewhat corrupt system. You've studied Illinois politics for years. Two years ago, we saw uh, a number of Republican ads against uh, state uh, uh, Democratic state Senate or state uh, representative positions, tagging them directly with Michael Madigan. And we're already, as far as we saw from uh, Republicans uh, shortly after the announcement of the indictments, that that is going to continue. If you were in any way linked to Michael Madigan, you're going to be tagged with this indictment as well. Yes, and I think, you know, I've wondered to some degree how effective uh, these ads are against Michael Madigan in the past, but I do think they will probably be effective this cycle. Now that you've had this indictment, there's a clear link in voters' minds toward this corruption um, and the Democratic Party and the legislature. And so I think it's maybe easier for Republicans to make this case this time around than it was some of the other times they've tried it. Well, and Republicans also say, Democrats, you let this go on for so long. If, if you listen to the U.S. attorney, I mean, this is a decades-long uh, case that they're bringing. I mean, 10 years, and Democrats did nothing to censure or, or, or I don't know, even, even uh, uh, impeach, so to speak, uh, their speaker. Well, I think that, um, you know, there's a benefit that many rank-and-file members, although they might complain, uh, got from having Michael Madigan, particularly access to campaign money that he was able to provide them uh, to run for office. And so I think there was some degree of loyalty among the rank-and-file Democrats, even though they sometimes chafed over uh, the kind of top-down leadership structure that he implemented. Uh, one thing that I find a little bit ironic is the people, the so-called 19 legislators who initially revolted against him, the Democrats that kind of denied him the speakership the last time around, um, many of them are suburban legislators, many are women, 13th and 19 are women. Um, and so some of these, I think Michael Madigan saw which way the winds were blowing. Uh, in terms of the makeup of the parties in the suburbs were kind of rich opportunity for him to gain more seats. And he was able to do that by helping elect um, some of these legislators who then turned against him because 
I think they were less comfortable with that machine style politics than the city legislators who had been the base of his support in the past, and even some downstate legislators. Well, and those 19 went to the podium very quickly as well after the indictment was announced, saying, imagine what would have happened if he was still in power, if he was still at the state capitol. Does that lessen the impact of this indictment uh, for Democrats or even for the state by the fact that he's no longer in office? Well, I, I, I think, you know, I, they're clearly trying to do damage control and say, you know, we did clean up the mess. We did uh, get rid of the speaker. And so you can't blame everything on the Democrats, I, th I think, is their message. But I think whether he's speaker or not right now, I think that case is harder to make uh, with these indictments out there. Um, so I, I do think that's going to be a tough case to make. What's the impact for the new speaker, Chris Welch, who uh, the Republicans say is the hand-picked Madigan successor? The progressives are saying, no, 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 no. We helped put him in office. I mean, this really is a big knock for him as well. Well, so I, I think people are trying to tie him to Madigan, and he's been criticized for uh, sort of slow-walking a legislative committee that was investigating Madigan before he stepped down. Um, for speaker, and I think the Republicans would argue that he didn't do enough uh, in, in that chair. He chaired that committee, and he didn't do enough to try to take their work seriously and to push out Madigan earlier. Um, I, the press conference you referred to with the 19, I believe that when they said, you know, Welch was sort of a Madigan creature, they kind of laughed that off. Exactly. Said, you know, he was chosen by the, um, by the members as a whole. Uh, and I, I, you know, although he was certainly, I think, someone Madigan was relatively comfortable with in uh, acceding to him to be the next speaker, uh, as I understand it, uh, Madigan also did contact other people to tell them he was going to step down. And so he gave other people a chance to compete for the speakership. And there were other candidates at, at that time. So, but again, I think this gets a little bit insider baseball-y, and I, I don't know that, um, you know, you have to drill down a little bit. I think it's easy to kind of paint Welch as tied to Madigan, and that's something the Democrats are going to have to deal with in the campaign. Let us try to put this into a little bit of perspective. I mean, is this worse than the Rod Blagojevich issue? Um, I mean, you're, you're kind of comparing perhaps apples to oranges, but uh, I think the public is kind of in their mind saying this is all the same. Well, I, I do think uh, that's an interesting question. I do think that it, it is different. I mean, the Bogoyevich, while he did some pretty bad things, I mean, clearly trying to sell President Obama's Senate seat and things like trying to deny funding for a children's hospital, I, I think those are very bad. I, I almost see the um, there's almost a comical aspect to uh, some of Bogoyevich's antics. It's like he just sort of saw these things coming by, like, okay, here's a chance for me to sell a Senate seat. Whereas with Madigan, I think you have uh, this sort of established, planned, um, maybe more insidious version of corruption that goes on year after year after year, and it's more carefully thought out. Um, and so from that perspective, maybe it is worse. We have seen from time and time again in Illinois kind of this whole case of the pay-to-play, uh, uh, um, the use of power to gain political access. Uh, what can be done to limit that? 
There's always been talk about uh, term limitations, of course, but also there's been discussion about limitations of chairmanships and, and leaderships in order to make sure that power doesn't stay in one person's hands for decades. Well, so the House and the Senate have both passed rules now limiting uh, the leader's um, terms. Now, we'll see if they keep those rules in place once it gets to be that point. Um, I, you know, as, as far as committee chairs, I guess I would prefer a system where the committee chairs had more power. I mean, I always tell my students that one thing that makes the Illinois General Assembly a little bit unusual compared to other states is that so much power is concentrated in the leaders. And that's true of the Republicans, too. I mean, it's not just the Democrats. Uh, the Republican leaders have a lot of power. Uh, in other states, the power is more dispersed among committee chairs. Um, and, and so I think if I, so, I wouldn't limit the committee chairs uh, terms, but I think it is probably good to limit the leaders terms as has been done now. Again, I think the question comes when we get close in, in several years to uh, these term limits kicking in. Will they change the rules then? It's always been kind of a discussion that when it comes to term limits, if you limit a lawmaker's terms, they have less knowledge of any particular topic, and it actually gives lobbyists more powers in the legislative system. Is that just a wives' tale, or is that actually something that is somewhat proven or true? No, there is, there is a, a fair amount of political science research that suggests that is true, that lobbyists, you know, they have an informational advantage, that they uh, provide this institutional memory that long-term members can't provide. The other thing I think that's important to think about if you put term limits on the, the members is that political science research suggests that that gives the governor more power. The Illinois governor is already relatively powerful uh, compared to the governors in other states. So I think we also need to think about whether that's what we want or not. Um, I think it would make it less likely that the legislature is a co-equal branch of government if we limit terms. This indictment, of course, impacts former Speaker Madigan and some of his associates, but what do you think is the wider impact of this? Well, I, you know, as you said at the beginning, uh, to some degree, people are going to shrug this off and say, okay, it's Illinois, and, you know, maybe we'll be on The Daily Show again or something like that, being made fun of for how corrupt we are or, or whatever it is. But I do think it sends a message, you know, going back to the governor, we haven't had a governor that's been indicted for three now. And I think maybe the message has been sent that if you're going to be the governor of this state, that you need to avoid certain types of corruption, you need to stay clean. Maybe this type of indictment also sends a similar message to the legislature um, that they will need to watch their behavior. Um, and, and, you know, th these kinds of things that Madigan's being accused of, while they're different in degree to things that go on the legislature relatively routinely. I'm not sure they're so different in kind. And so maybe um, this has put the legislature on notice that you could be in, you know, face a federal indictment if you play too fast and loose with the rules. Our thanks to Western Illinois University Political Science Department Chairman, Dr. Keith Bockelman. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network.